The Merino Lifetime Productivity Project is the world's largest merino experiment, tracking the lifetime performance of 5,700 ewes as they proceed through four to five joinings and annual shearings at five sites across the country. What a phenomenal amount of work. With these sites wrapping up though, we're starting to see some fascinating results which are uncovering some of the mysteries of merino genetics. Welcome to The Yarn. This is a podcast for the wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So the Australian Wool Innovation Funded Project is a $13 million 10-year venture between AWI, the Australian Merino Sire Evaluation Association, AMPSIA, nominating stud merino breeders and site partners. Back in episode 211 of The Yarn, we heard insights from the Balmoral site in Victoria. But today we catch up with two more sites ahead of their final field days at Tamora in New South Wales on October 14 and Pingley WA on the 21st. Both sites were established in 2016. The Tamora site is hosted by Moses & Son in partnership with Merino Link. Site host Marty Moses from Moses & Son joins us for this episode, as does Dr Bronwyn Clark, who manages the Pingley site in WA. She's a researcher at Murdoch University. So Ben Swain is the Executive Officer from AMPSIA, the Merino Sire Evaluation Association. He says the MLP is starting to answer so many questions, such as... What is the best age to select animals? So, so historically, we've been we've been selecting animals at younger ages, at yearling and hogget. Um, are we better off delaying that and selecting them after a first adult measurement, for example? Um, what's what's the most cost effective way to select animals for lifetime productivity? Now, is it visually? Uh, is it using objective measurement? Is it using genomics? Is it a combination of all of those things? And how often should we do it? And, and, and I guess another one that's, that, that we're trying to answer is, um, is do the current industry indexes that we, that we use to select our sheep, do they correlate well with lifetime data? So an animal that, 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 that's, that's the top of the index as, a, as an early age, is it going to go on through life and, and stay at the top of those indexes or is it going to drift back in the pack as, as, as it gets older? So I guess, Marius, there's sort of some of the questions that we'd, 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 we'd like to answer. Um, we've still got to collect all the data. We've still got a couple of years of data left to come in. But uh, once we collect all of that data and we can start the analysis, there's, there's going to be lots and lots and lots of questions that we'll be able to answer. Oh, it's a fantastic database to try and put together a, an enormous jigsaw puzzle. And uh, I, I know you enjoy crunching that data and looking into it. So we'll... Yeah, look into that a little bit further, but uh, we'll also head to West Australia in a minute. So, Marty Moses, can you just give us a little a bit of background of, around your site and what are the attributes that the Merino Link site has brought to the project and, and what are the questions that your site are keen to see answered? Yeah, thanks, Marius. And um, yeah, I think Ben sort of nailed um, a really good description of what the MLP is uh, achieving trying to achieve and uh, we, we're confident that that will happen and, and deliver some really good answers um, into the future, not just at the end of the trial. So, look, uh, our background is um, we were hit with the, um, the passion of um, benchmarking and uh, 
Merino genetic trials uh, back in the probably 20, 25 years ago and got involved with some some uh, some innovative people that were doing weather trials. Um, the MLP proposal came along and um, through our uh, good buddies at um, Merino Link, we put a hand up to have a look at it and for whatever reason we said yes and, and here we are today. Um, it's been a real you know, a collaboration of, of many, many bodies and, and people that come in and, and assist in the trial, like our classes, our vets. Uh, we've, we've seen um, an enormous number of technologies as a commercial producer we would never have seen. And um, that in itself has been a real learning uh, exercise for our our company, our staff, and, uh, and, and obviously um, for wool growers, uh, potentially to to tap into that um, but working with you know yourself uh, with AWI with Anne with Ben um, and with the, the raft of people that have come in our site committees um, our you know the executives and so on um, there's been a lot of challenges and we've been able to work through those uh, just the logistical challenges and the you know getting getting the sheep from point A to point B in one piece has sometimes been a challenge through droughts and we're at the moment we're under a bit of water. But, uh, you know, the good thing is um, we've come out the other end, we've still got a bit of hair left and I, I think the exciting thing is that um, we've been a part of something that that uh, is going to deliver some magnificent um, outcomes to the wool industry and uh, sheep and wool industry. So I, I hope that sort of you know, paints a picture of uh, positivity. Oh, the collaboration across all sites has been one of the great highlights. And Ben mentioned early measurement being an indicator of lifetime performance. Uh, but in terms of your point of view, Marty, uh, do you have specific questions that you're wanting answered? Look, I mean, it's always easy to go in and go, that, that team beats that team and so on and so forth. But it wasn't about winners and losers. This trial's about... Uh, taking a whole raft of different genetics uh, across different um, uh, geographical locations and, and getting some outcomes. And I think that's that's going to be really interesting. Some of the findings that Ben's spoken about um, and will speak about at the field day, which is going to be really interesting, are what we've seen at, at other sites is that, you know, there's some glaring um, uh, things that we can see at the moment and there's going to be some really good findings come out in the near future and further on maybe delivering for the next 10 or 20 years because I'm not sure when the next trial of this magnitude will be will be run. No, it's uh, certainly a very expensive project but there's uh, the building blocks for some amazing information into the future and uh, the, uh, the Western Australian Merino industry brings some amazing and unique genetics to the Australian Merino industry. Um, Dr. Bronwyn Clark joins us. Uh, what are the key attributes that the, the Pingley site brings to the project, Bron? Thanks, Marius. I, I guess our site's probably known as the ones that with a really fertile ewe base. Um, and so we've, we've, our ewes have done very well. So it'll be interesting to see in, in terms of reproduction to see the differences between the different sites. And there will be differences between the different sites. And that's part of the analysis that needs to be done. Um, I have to agree with Marty. One of the things about um, our site and at all the sites has been just that ability to bring the industry together. And that's been really key for MLP. So with um, it, with our site, we're, we're bringing together ram breeders, commercial wool growers, uh, sheep classes, 
research organisations. You know, as you said, it's run by Murdoch, but it's hosted by UWA. Um, and so th there's a whole heap of industry who are um, involved in this project and who are waiting to, to see the outcomes of the project. And in the meantime, we've developed these great links with all, all of industry. Um, we have educational institutions that our, our ag colleges bring students to our field days. So it's been um, for us in Western Australia, a really good project to bring all of industry together. And, and everyone is waiting with bated breath to see the, the outcomes of this project, which, which, you know, as it's been said, it's going to be the next five to 10 years that we'll, we'll keep getting um, results out from the project. But we have, we've got a few key findings that, you know, I can't go without telling people about our two um, fun facts from um, the Pingley MLP site. Um, one of them was that, because you wouldn't normally take um, DNA samples of commercial flocks and work out who the, the mums and dads were of, the, of our F2 progeny. Um, so one of our fun facts that we found is that over 50% of our twins come from two dads. Um, and that was something that we hadn't actually um, looked at before in a commercial flock. The other one is that what we've found, and this is just a, it wasn't set up to do this, is that we're finding that two or three rams in a syndicate are doing all the work. So basically half the lambs every year in a syndicate mated um, ewe mob are coming from two or three of the rams. And these, these are just some findings that are that have come about because we are taking DNA samples of our, our F2 progeny, which as I said, you know, that, that's something that hasn't really been done before in commercial flocks. Well, thank you for that. We'll keep you in the loop here, but let's now hear from Ben Swain from Ampsia. Ben, looking across the sites at the preliminary data available, sort of what observations from the Merino link uh, or across the sites can you can you share with us? I know you're wanting to keep some powder dry for field days, but uh, what can you share with us today? Uh, well, I guess, Marius, there's, there's so much that's that's already come out of this, this project, either as... Um, as as observations or interesting facts, as as Bron said, and and um and you know how much I like talking about sheep data, so I, I could talk all day. But 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 there are a couple of, of really interesting things that that I think, and and the first one's about about the survivability of of the ewes themselves, and and over the five or six years at all of these sites, you know, we've seen sire groups that have had a hundred percent of the ewes survive from when we mark them all the way through to the end of the trial or, or almost at the end of the trial versus other side groups that, that might have lost 50% of their, their ewe progeny. And I, I'm not really sure what that means, but, but I know we don't account for survivability uh, in any of our breeding objectives or classing systems at the moment. But I also know that, that sheep don't survive aren't very profitable. So, so I think one of the key things that we'll we'll take out of the MLP is is being able to put some economics around survivability and uh, and and the genetics associated with with that trait and and the clear indication from the the the, the trial at the moment is there's some major you know, some really significant differences in in the survivability of these of these sire groups. Now, is it because some of them have more lambs or some of them produce more wool or, or any of those things? I'm I'm not sure, and that's what the analysis is going to tell us. But, but there's certainly some interesting things there. Um, I guess another interesting observation. I only made this this week because I've been down at the Merino Link site helping with some of the the final bits and pieces, and, and we had the 
the opportunity to go through and we, we took some pictures which we're going to sh we'll share at the field day um, in relation to some of the interesting ewe groups. And, and it was fascinating to pull, pull some of those groups of ewes out that we thought were interesting and have, actually have a look at them. And, and one of those groups was um, the high-indexing sheep. And it was interesting that the high-indexing sheep aren't necessarily good sheep. They're high-indexing sheep. Um, they might have been quite right in the feet or quite right in the wall or, or quite right somewhere, but they're high-indexing. Likewise, the sheep that we pulled out that were classed as good sheep weren't necessarily profitable sheep. Uh, they mightn't have ever reared a lamb or they mightn't have cut enough wool or there might have been a whole range of issues that we, we would have seen if we'd measured them, and which we did, uh, that we would have we would have picked up. So, so what that shows me as an observation is we really we really need to use both of those tools in, in order to select our sheep. We, we need to measure what we can, we need to look at sheep continuously, uh, and we need to combine those two tools together to, um, to, to be able to select the sheep that are gonna be the most profitable over a lifetime. And, 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 and I guess the third, Mari, is if, if you're looking for another observation is that we've, we've done some work across the, all the sites looking at, at reproduction culling strategies. And this isn't a, a genetic trait, it's a management issue. You know, when's the best time to cull our ewes based on reproduction? And, and you know, uh, I guess a lot of people, they might cull ewes at preg testing based on preg scanning. Others might cull them based on, you know, wet and drying at marking or weaning. And others, you know, might cull them based on whether they failed to rear a lamb two years in a row. So. We've actually done some preliminary work and, and there's more uh, more work carrying on on this as we get more data that looks at, well, what is the best time to, to cull your ewes um, on an economic basis to, um, to, to get the best outcome? And, and, and like a lot of things in breeding sheep, Marius, there's, there's really no clear answer. Um, there's no one, one tool or one outcome fits all when you look at this. You know, it, it depends on the, the location the sheep are. It depends on the seasons. It depends on the type of merinos we're dealing with. Um, you know, in some sites, culling the dry maidens made absolutely no difference to net reproduction over the five years of the project, whereas in other sites, it, it did. Um, so there's no one, one, uh, one rule fits all. And, and I think that's what we're going to find, Marius, in, the, um, in a lot of these. Uh, analysis that we do. There's so much. There's so much environment comes in the outcomes. There's so much sheep type, and all sheep perform a little bit differently based on where they're running, what type they are. So you know, there's lots more analysis to go. But 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 I I, I think we're already seeing some really interesting things, and um, I think there's going to be something different for all breeders uh, based on what type of sheep they're producing and in what environment they're in. So, yes, you've certainly alluded to a lot of things there, Ben, and, uh, you know, particularly for commercial producers and uh, the importance of measurement. And there's hope for us imperfect people that imperfect sheep can be a commercial success. That's good. Um, I feel as though I should give Bronwyn a chance to elaborate, um, particularly from your part of the world, Bronwyn. Yeah, it's interesting, as, as Ben says, that those differences in reproduction strategies are quite different at Pingerley compared to Balmoral, for example. Um, so we've got, it, it, it's one of those things that, as, as Ben says, it's different across environments, but it will be um, interesting to quantify those differences. 
um, as well and see how they do vary across the um, uh, across the regions, across the states. Reproduction is one of those those things, though, that MLP is going to have a significant impact on, on the industry because the data that has really been missing um, with merinos has been the lifetime reproduction data. So we know a fair bit already about lifetime wool production, but the reproduction data and collecting individual measurements on, on repro data across all the sites is probably one of the things that's going to have the most significant impact on, on the way that we um, select merinos going forward. So it, it will be interesting to see that um, that as the, the repro data is added into um, sheep genetics, for example, the lifetime reproduction data has been added in there. Um, some of the things that we get, we're going to get to see at our field day, I guess, are looking at the effect of reproduction on um, lifetime performance. So, you know, what happens to a ewe that had twins last year? What happened to her wool production the following year um, and her reproduction um, as, as she goes forward? So it's some of those things we're going to have a bit of a sneak peek at at our field day at Pingerley on the 21st of October. Um, and we'll also be having a look at things like our... Um, so we've had field days every year, and every every year we've produced a report that has shown flock breeding values for each of the, the sire groups. Um, and at our field day, we'll have a bit of a sneak peek as well at the um, how those early flock breeding values um, compare to the total lifetime productivity. So there's there's a lot of inf good information that we'll, we'll get out there. Um, before we wait for the, the complete analysis of across all the five sites. What are people likely to see at these days? Because it's the middle of spring, we know how busy people are. Uh, why should people come along? So um, our field day is on the 21st of October, um, out at the UWA Future Farm at Pingerley. And this is the last chance people will have to actually see um, the Merino use. There'll be um, in their sire groups, so you'll get to come and have a look at them in their sire groups and find a bit about them, a, a bit more about those sire groups and why those sires were chosen to be part of the MLP project. So it, it's the last chance to come and see the the um, animals, have a look at them. We've got a great lineup of speakers from um, our local people from our, our local site committee, as well as um, people from Agbu in Armidale who are doing some of the analysis, uh, the analysis across all the sites, um, who are coming over as well, um, and and yeah, just just a really good chance to have have a final look at um, those animals and get an insight into what's happened at the Pingerley site um, now that we've we'll have the um, well almost complete data set from the site. We're just waiting on shearing in December to complete all the analysis of uh, all the measurements to be taken for Pingerley. Marty, why why should people come to your site? What are they likely to see and learn? Oh look and, and similar to what Bronwyn just said, um, we will have all those sheep on display. Uh, there will be some presentations, albeit brief, and a pen walk uh, with Ben Swain with a microphone in his hand. I shouldn't have to say anything more than that to attract people in, but there will be, um, you know, the uh, the ability for like-minded people to get together and have a good old chinwag about the merino industry and to have a look at this showpiece, um, you know, of a collation of all this data Um that we're, we're sort of going to present or the industry will present. So um, we'll have a coffee van. We'll also have, uh, you know, uh, sausage sizzle or steak sandwiches out there for people to come in. It's not a full day. You know, it's more that 
we people can actually come and have a look at um, and get some reference off the uh, the teams, uh, the U teams in their in their groups, and um, you know have a good look and 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 maybe get some presentations on some of the key findings from Ben. And I understand, Marty, that you also have a dinner the night prior to the field day. Yes, we do. On the Wednesday, uh, Thursday night, which is the 13th, um, there will be a, a, a dinner, a bit of a wind-up dinner, where there'll be some presentations as well. Um, there's been a few changes in, in that tack, but I think we're, um, the, we've got accommodation available now, which we didn't have a, a week ago. We've got a venue available now, which we didn't think we had a week ago. So, yeah, the dinner should be good and we encourage people to come along. And, uh, again, there'll be some uh, presentations and, and uh, you know, maybe some snippets of data come out there as well. So, and, again, the ability for like-minded people to get together. Yes, and haven't we missed that over the last couple of years? So it's a, a great way to come together and to celebrate uh, what has been a, an incredible collaboration. Ben, did you want to add to that? Well, I guess, Marius, um, ha having seen the Merino Lynch used this year, this week and, um, you know, I look forward to seeing the Pindley used as well soon too, it, it's fascinating how much the numbers don't tell us when we actually get a chance to look at the sheep. So I guess the Vysara evaluation, you know, always has field days. Every side around Australia has field day every year, which gives the people an opportunity to come along and actually get their hands on the sheep and... And I know the last couple of days I've spent down at Merino Link, it's, um, there is some fascinating groups of ewes down there, so, I mean sire groups there, that, um, that the numbers just don't tell the full story. And, and unless you get along and have a look at those sheep, and we know as Merino breeders that uh, a, a lot of our breeding decisions are visual, uh, unless we get along and have a look at those sheep, you know, you're probably not getting all the story. So. Last chance to have a look at them and, uh, and, and a great opportunity to do so. Uh, isn't that symptomatic of the, the project itself that uh, you don't see the complete picture with, uh, with just half the story? Thank you very much for joining us for this uh, episode of The Yarn. Uh, Marty Moses, Bronwyn Clark and Ben Swain, um, thank you very much for all the work you've done for this incredible project. All the best for your field days on the 14th of October and the 21st. Thanks again for having a yarn with us. Pleasure, Marius. Thanks, Marius. Thank you. So a great chance, in fact, the last chance, to see the largest Merino experiment ever in the flesh at Tamora, New South Wales on October 14 at Pinjali, WA a week later on the 21st. And we've just heard from Dr. Bronwyn Clark at Murdoch University, site host at Pinjali, Marty Moses from Moses and Sons, site host at Tamora, and Ben Swain of the Merino Sire Evaluation Association, or AMPSIA, who's crunching and finding trends across the 2 million MLP data points. Of course, you can find out more information at wool.com slash MLP. But from me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn with us. <laughs>